Yeah, I think the the two words wet signature remain the two most disgusting ones in the English language when you stick them <laughs> together. I don't even mean like that I find the concept of having to physically sign a document offensive. I mean I, I kind of do, but it's it's just such a it's a it's a vulgar and profane way to to make that statement. It's like saying like soggy potatoes or damp Bart ride. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't want either of those things. Yeah. So it's 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 gross and I don't know why it did, it popped on the internet a couple of times in recent weeks and it's concerning. Do you have any other lingo like that that's kind of I don't even mean like the 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 businessy like the parking lot and circle back stuff, but any other gross stuff? Hmm. I'm sure I'm sure it's out there. I, I you know, you're you're catching me catching me at 9:15 at night, so I'm not I'm not as sharp as I am earlier in the day. Wasn't it technically 8:15? Uh, as of five days ago, it would have been now. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's fine. Anyway, wet signatures. All right, what else do we have? A couple of offline, online things. Yeah. yeah that's mostly it. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> good, dive into follow up. Good show. Yeah, you're killing me. You, you, yeah, I'm sure you have much, uh, many more of those, but you'll you'll sprinkle it in the show later. Okay. So in follow up, we have uh. Well, your hopes are dashed because you wanted some new AirPods that don't have noise cancellation in them. And it sounds like, based off most rumors, that that's not going to happen until probably maybe the iPhone event, that those aren't going to ship until Q3. And also, quite likely, there's going to be no March event. Not that there was one announced, but everybody seems to think that they know what's on Tim Cook's Fantastical. And um seems like that may have been not accurate this time. Yeah, it it, it really seemed like we had the rumor mill right at the point where it normally is when there is in fact going to be an event but it it kind of seems unlikely that there's going to be one now i i didn't i didn't do the research on this cuz you know we don't really do that here but i'm pretty sure that all of the virtual events that apple's done the past 12 months they've given um a week notice so we're past that point now assuming they stick to that um, but anyway, with, with the AirPod stuff, I mean, listen, Apple can take as long as they want to with these things, assuming that this latest batch of rumors is true, that they are not in-ear and they're just on-ear, like the current regular AirPods, because, you know, I'm not like really clamoring to replace my AirPods. They're, they're fine. Um, but I would be super bummed if, if they adapted the, um, airpods pro uh fit on the on the regular airpods because i just i don't i don't prefer that i mean they're a small agile company i'm not sure they have the bandwidth to have multiple products in the headphone space (laughs) so i don't know man you might be stuck with um airpod pros but yeah but the most recent link made it look like they were basically airpod pros in terms of design but they look like the old style like bundled in the box like earbuds or earpods so yeah, lucky you. Um, and then also that means I I don't remember what the iPad Pro schedule is, but I I think that's what most people were counting on. And even though the March event was kind of like an unstated thing, everybody assumed that since the last year's update with the the lidar camera for the iPad Pro was basically a non-update. That's what that that's why they were so adamant about there being kind of like a spring iPad event, and that that was hopefully going to bring every all the other like minor stuff that they wanted apparently people thought like air tags and stuff were also going to be here but 
Well, German German posted today that I guess those new iPads are coming in April. So I don't I don't know what I don't know what that means in terms of an event or if that just becomes a press release. I don't know. Oh, was this late breaking news? I didn't see this on Tech Me. It was yeah, it was like later yeah. later this afternoon. Two thirty in the afternoon. That's too late. That's because <laughs> I think like um with the magic keyboard and then you know the the i the ipad os update to add cursor support that was all just done by a press release right yeah i remember that being uh start of the pandemic yeah and then like six weeks later it was like oh hey keyboard right i I wonder i mean i wonder if if that if there was any intent to have that be a in-person event or um if that was always meant to just be a, a press release. Um I think maybe in person, but I don't like I don't think it would have been like the marquee um because the iPad I feel like maybe if they had done the iPad Pro LiDAR thing, like they could have somehow made a story about it if they bundled it in with the keyboard, but I don't think either of those things actually independently would have warranted an actual event. Because there wasn't really the software stack to go with the um the magic keyboard other than the cursor support but ios or ipad os has not really re- uh, seen much substantive attention in like two and a half years yeah it, it is i mean not not that this is an original take i mean it's it's all over the the apple ecosystem but it is kind of astonishing how ever since they made that switch to start calling it ipad os they've really not done anything to differentiate it from the iphone i mean other than the magic keyboard and and cursor support and in fact in some ways ipad os has gone the wrong direction with things like widgets where those are more limited on the ipad than they are on the phone yeah but also also widgets aren't really anything to write home about on the phone either yeah that's fair yeah um Um, Better Call Saul uh, has started production and I think we actually may have touched on this last week but um, we'll also so start production this month and will likely premiere in the first quarter of next year and this will be the final season of the show. Yeah so we we talked to that production was set to start and that's now officially happened. The thing I wanted to ask you about is um how do you think they're going to handle the future like the the post um breaking bad Saul stuff you know that they they only have they have like that one scene at the beginning of each season where they mm-hmm. show Saul you know post breaking bad mm-hmm. how do you think they're going to handle that in this final season do you think we'll see the conclusion of that like right in episode one or do you think they'll actually to be, to be honest i don't know because i'll i don't remember any of those being that not that they weren't interesting but i don't actually none of them stick out to me all i remember were there were a lot of him working at the mall at a cinnabon in like nebraska or something but i don't know if those ever kind of ramped up where there was i remember like maybe there's one where he was sorry spoilers that he was like hiding out in his house and super nervous that somebody was coming to get him like i don't remember a lot of them that occurred outside of the mall where there's actually 
where I'm expecting any resolution to that. Well, the, the most recent one was where it seemed to indicate that he was, was basically sick of hiding and that he was going to... Oh, was this the one where some guy was telling him, like, somebody spotted him and tried to force him to, like, do something from his TV ads or something? Yeah, some guy recognized him. Yeah. And he he calls up the the vacuum cleaner guy and partway through the, to, to try to, like, get, a, you know, another new ID and, like, partway through that he decides to, to not go forward with that. Can I can I make uh make a twist on this and somehow make it about chicken sandwiches? <laughs> Please. Uh near the Roner Park Popeyes, there's a uh vacuum cleaner repair store, like two two stores down. And every time I go there, it, may, it reminds me of Better Call Saul. Because I forget what the because there's a specific model that and I got I gotta Google this one day because it's probably it's a fun trivia thing. Like like know. a like a Hoover with the the old school like bag. Well, it's like it's like I need a replacement filter for a Hoover something something something. And that feels oh, like that'd be oh, cool the, to know. The, yeah, yeah. Well, like, what is the mm-hmm. code to say? Hey, I need to to get out of Dodge <laughs> in the next uh, twelve to thirty six hours or something. You know, even even with the stuff that I am a really big fan of, like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, I'm I never remember specific quotes or even like character names in a lot of cases. I just, I don't know. There's something about the way my memory works where that, like, I, I can remember plot lines and, you know, that kind of thing, but yeah, not, not specific quotes or anything like that. Yeah. So I, I did find it on the Breaking Bad subreddit and apparently it, you are supposed to say that you need a dust filter for a Hoover Max Extract Pressure Pro Model 60. <laughs> can you help with that? And apparently that will get you what you need. Mm, okay. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah i mean depending on how this new some recall goes i, I, I don't know <laughs> um was there any other entertainment related stuff this week i feel um, like there was something we're missing That's I mean, you don't strike me as being a big uh grammys guy so i don't i don't think you've got oh, any hot takes hey, there do you i do oh oh okay. shit okay apologies bleep that uh let me find let me save this as a jpeg so slack doesn't take a year to upload it um because i was watching the grammys uh so i haven't seen any clips or anything from it like what what was their setup like were were people actually there or how, how did they do that uh yeah they had like it was they had the staple center and then they had trevor noah who was the host doing a thing like an outdoor like MC style thing with like just like socially distanced tables and like it was it was all it was all fine. Again, the whole thing about whether award shows are necessary at all is is very up for debate. And apparently kind of like the last NBA season, it was not very well um the viewership numbers were not great. Mm. But there was this one thing where I forget what the context was, but there was somebody who is an owner of a performing arts venue in um, the Midwest. And I swear to God, I deposit. I was like, is this Tim Cook in 10 years? And it freaked me out. (laughs) Can I I put this in the notes? Is there any OPSEC stuff we got to worry about? Can you crop it where it doesn't show that uh, this fell off a truck? (laughs) 
This was on CBS and I pay for cable. I, I have no guilt here, but I don't need to know. I don't need people to know what resolution and which um, who uploaded it to the Internet. Well, people, people can just look this up. It's, it's, uh, no, no, G- crop it because it, 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 it I, don't I, don't I don't know if he's, I don't, I don't know if he's all, fine. I'll, I'll re upload a cropped one because I <laughs> okay, don't know you. if this guy always dresses like Tim Cook. <laughs> like, it's a really striking resemblance. You can definitely hear him talk about how, um, he's very interested in privacy and customer sat this, right. at the, the station in. So, hmm. <laughs> you did not think that was going anywhere, huh? Um, all right, put that in the thing. Oh, and then I've uh, have. This is more. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about the. Um, well, so this is follow up to the August keypad thing that I've been talking about for a while, but it's more of a broader thing that I think I did bring up online, offline, and Slack. So to catch people up, I think we both got August smart locks maybe like three ish years ago. Sounds about right. I know we talked about yours. Yeah, you upgraded yours or doubled down on on the that ecosystem, but. Might have been working fine, but in the past like six months, except for the the Christmas incident that people can go look up, um, <laughs> the keypad had been getting really unreliable where it just wasn't making a connection most of the time and it was chewing through batteries real fast. And I'd email TechSport and they tried to give some software solutions, but I was just, it, it wasn't working or it would work for a minute, like where you'd have a thing where you can take one of the batteries out and allegedly that resets the Bluetooth chipset on the thing and the thing and it just it doesn't work and i really like over text i just kind of wanted them to be like they're like they could just be like hey it's probably failing it's well outside of warranty i would recommend you buy another and i would have been fine with that but i kind of got annoyed with they're just being try this and try this and change your code and do this and i'm like no it's just broken um so yeah i had to get another one and i had to spend whatever 56 dollars or 59 dollars on it um and the new one works fine like it's it's been a couple days but i have i have no idea but the one point I wanted to bring up, which I forget, or forget what how I phrased it in Slack, oh, yeah, like just having to rebuy the same thing when there's no new version of it, and you're only having to replace it, like, and I mean a, a tech thing specifically, and you're only having to replace it because the thing you previously had is just now kind of unreliable and crappy, and that stinks. Yeah, that that does suck. Like, because something gradually breaking or becoming more unreliable that's always kind of a fun excuse to be able to be like have a clear conscience about getting the new thing but when you just have to spend the same money on the exact same thing and you're no like better off than it's kind of kind of a two thumbs down yeah because i don't really know what your alternative would have been i mean you could have just gotten completely out of the august ecosystem and gone to something else but i i don't really know if there are all that many great alternatives out there especially like with your particular use case so you were kind of boxed in yeah and again like in i don't i don't mind it like i I feel like it's it's reliable enough and like i i'm gonna give it a few days to make sure it's not the lock itself like i don't know how it's been near you but it's been it's been really fudge and cold the past few days so i have been using that as an excuse to not go run outside because it's just it's literally been 40 degrees outside every night um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to keep taking my keys with me for a few days until I can, um, me and the August products can re- rebuild trust and repair our relationship. The whole August setup and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not bringing this up to hate on it. Cause I, I do generally like our setup. I mean, geez, I have two of them now. So, um, but they, they're just very much like a quintessential 
example of where smart home technology is, where it should be so much better and more reliable, but it's not. But it still is better than the analog alternative in in most ways. So you kind of you put up with some of the weirdness and unreliability about it. But yeah, it just it should be it should be better, just like most smart home stuff should be. Yeah, that's probably like a broader topic for another day. But I mean, like you're you're totally right. Where just because if you think about it, and this and this will actually ooh, look at you. This this will parlay nicely into. Um, the HomePod discontinuation discussion. But like, yeah, like you either, you pick your poison with either the Amazon uh, uh, voice assistant ecosystem or the Google Home stuff. And then hopefully you kind of hope that you don't have to have too many bridges and whether it connects to Zigbee or Chip or Choi or Chop or SmartThings or or whatever. And then like it all just kind of doesn't really talk to each other. And like, I mean, here's the thing, and I don't know if you're similar, but like, I, my network, my home network situation and kind of all this crap is, is kind of been in, cause I, I, I've, I've moved less than I have in the past where I haven't had to kind of like redo it from scratch. I honestly don't know how many layers deep or why certain things work the way they do. Like, I'm not actually even sure what my hue lights connect to and why that talks to whatever it does. Like, I feel like for regular people, like that's, if they had to troubleshoot a segment of like, if somebody was like, a just like just like a random like 45 year old dude who's who is interested in this type of thing but is maybe not a techie maybe likes his iphone but isn't crazy about it or follows it super closely like how would they unpack that if they ever had to if like if they went all in on smart home stuff and like one piece stopped working and they somehow had to figure out that it's because this amount of amazon echo integration has a item limit and your bridge no longer support like it's all a it's all a big mess yeah the the setup around smart home stuff is yeah exactly it's a total mess it is impossible for the layman to figure out and it's often challenging for us tech nerds to figure out and even once you do get everything set up there's just little bugs or quirks or limitations that just shouldn't be there and actually the (laughs) It's funny you you bring up the idea of not knowing exactly how everything works, even when you do get it up and running. I feel that way about HomeKit and specifically the function that the Apple TV plays within HomeKit, where you designate it as a, I think a home hub is the phrase they use. And it, it it's very unclear to me exactly what that does like i i i i know that for automations that you set up in the home app your home hub has to be like you know connected to the internet and functioning but other than that it's very unclear to me exactly like what my apple tv is doing within the context of the home app so i'm i'm the wrong person to ask this for multiple reasons one i don't use home kit for anything because I, I just I have this just like this visceral hatred of the home app. Like even if I were to go all in on it, just the way that it shows rooms and specific accessories, like it just, it makes no sense to me. But also, so I mean, do you use HomeKit? 
Well, I, I do. And we, we've touched on this sort of briefly in the past. I don't use the actual home app a ton, but where HomeKit fits in is it really is the best way to connect different smart home technologies together. I mean, you can do that, of course, through like the lady in a but, can and stuff, but... But I guess I mean, my question is, if you're using Echo, like you obviously don't use Hey Siri for anything. So if you're using Echoes, I guess, how does that like functionally, what is, how would you use that? Uh, shortcuts and automations. Like is that shareable on a family level? Like, do you get to transfer that to the lady friend? Yeah, you do. So okay. like we're, we're both part of the same home in HomeKit. And so we have access to all the same um, automations and stuff. Yeah. And you can, you can also set up rules where it's like, you know, do something if only, you know, do something if even one of us is home or do something when both of us are gone, like that type of thing. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds kind of neat. But that, yeah, but that feels like that's probably a, a pro user thing. It, it's what's a pro user thing. And it's, it's not something I use a ton. I mean, 90% of what I use connecting different smart home stuff together for and setting up rules around are lights around the holidays. <laughs> so, you know, and I feel, I also feel like that could be a, a single Wemo switch and talking to Alexa. Well, it could, if you're all in on the Wemo stuff, but if you have, you know, different brands of smart home plugs, like I do, <laughs> See, cause you know, summer, summer for outdoors, summer for inside. Because like with Wemo, right? Like, I mean, they do make an outdoor smart plug now, but up until the last six months, they didn't. So well, I had iHome outdoor smart switches and then the Wemo indoor ones. Well, yeah, but they just make it all the same brand. Like how, how much could it possibly cost? The, those smart plugs, especially the outdoor ones, are very pricey. Outdoor Wemo. It's 40 bucks. I remember, I recall it being more than that. And they're maybe having they, a St. Patrick's Day sale for 17% off with promo code SPD17. Maybe they jacked up the price around the holidays because they knew suckers like me wanted to Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I mean, it's the thing. It's, it's, the, it's like, why, why do roses cost so much around Valentine's Day? The case in point, all the smart home stuff is dumb. Yeah, well, I mean, everything's dumb. It's, uh, <laughs> what's the thing that Bernie people always say? Late-stage capitalism? <laughs> <laughs> anyway um oh and then the other part of why uh, i uh i don't know is that uh, i've actually programmed um you use the um what's it called the uh, what's the what's the fan the fanciest logitech harmony called it's called the, the one the ultimate it, it wasn't it called the elite at some point mm -hmm. i don't know if it's still called that google, let me google fanciest logitech remote because i think at one point harmony renamed most of if not all of their remotes but i'm pretty sure at the time that i bought it it was called the harmony elite that would be the or maybe that's just what the uh the british called it yeah it is so called the harmony elite okay um yeah i've actually programmed a there's a there's a uh a, well because you know how the what there's the touchscreen thing where you can program like specific things on that little scrolly thingy 
activities yes no but you like you can you can have specific items once you've opened an activity oh uh-huh yeah like I, i've programmed like a, a bunch of troubleshooting stuff where i'm like if the sound bar for some reason just isn't either either isn't awake or on the right input i just have like a hey, switch to optical input and wake it up like that's one of my little mm. mm-hmm. action items but another one that i have there and also same thing for hdmi one and two or if sometimes just the harmony like maybe two out of ten sorry one out of five reduce my fractions um times it doesn't necessarily switch to the right hdmi input and i have no idea why uh yeah i've got that but i also have one that says reboot tv os because apparently there's an ir a command that you can send to the apple tv to just tell it to restart when it's acting weird mm. which for me is a lot yeah which is where the apple tv a box that apple has not acknowledged the existence of for four and a half years it somehow being the linchpin of your smart home setup seems not ideal yeah that's fair but but and again i don't it, but i don't it's not as if HomeKit stops because i i've i haven't done do? a, i haven't done a ton of testing on this but like i have experimented with it somewhere like if you unplug the apple tv it's not as if HomeKit completely falls down like you can still access your hue lights through the home app and that kind of thing but then what is it doing then I, that's that's my point i don't i don't exactly know so it's like <laughs> Uh, I forget what the old '60s expression is, is but like it's like, w- uh, why do you keep doing that? Because my arm doesn't hurt when this happens. I don't know. <laughs> this seems like a thing Merlin would know. Anyway, um, anyway, so yeah, there needs to be a new Apple TV, and also, but what I gets bad. What would a new Apple TV be? That's been like a hot topic lately. But like, other than you know reducing the price by like fifty percent, like what else would be different about it? A remote that doesn't stink, and that's it. Like, just like, I mean, I'm fine with mine. Like, I, again, I know you have eased back. And, like, I know, I think you and Jason Snell share the same point of view where, like, I'm, uh, like, viscerally opposed to, like, the Roku environment because I know the way, like, what their actual business model is. Where most people are just like, who who gives a shit if they know what I watch on TV? But still, like, I just don't love that. Where I do like that as being a legitimate benefit to Apple. So, like, I'm fine with my box other than the fact that I have to reboot it a lot, especially when I use HBO Max. Um, but, like, I know for other people, like, I would love to be able to recommend it. When somebody tells me, like, hey, do, I, like, do I, do I need a smart TV or what should I get? Like, I have to, like, say, like, probably get the Apple TV, but also you're spending $150 that you actually don't need to. But if you're, if you're a weirdo like me, it's worth it, but it's also probably not. Where, like, the 4K Apple TV... Like, I don't know why that 64 gig one still exists. Like, just make it $99 and make the remote not suck. And then also make one that's $49 that's an HDMI stick and get on your merry way. And then you have more people that have eyeballs looking at Apple services and you make it up in services. Like, just, they can't be selling many of these. So why, why stick to this price point? Or at the very least, just like, if they don't want to update it, just lower the price and move more of them well i mean to to try and and connect it maybe to another topic in the notes here with the the home pod stuff it does sort of feel like something might happen with the with apple tv because apple kind of seems to be in this mode now where like something's changed internally where there are many decisions of the past that are sort of 
being unwound with you know the discontinuation of the iMac Pro and then now with the HomePod. By the way, both of which got canned late on a Friday afternoon, which chef's kiss to that. Yeah, um, no, no, I don't think it. I know iMac you were Pro- skeptical of it after the iMac Pro, but come on, to do that two weeks in a row, like that's it's okay. no accident. I'm gonna let you finish your point, and then I'll, I'll argue. <laughs> um, and then assuming that all these laptop rumors are true, with bringing back MagSafe and more ports and stuff, like it, it does sort of seem like there's this, you know, taking of the last handful of years and just undoing a bunch of decisions and i I would love to know what the origin of all that is respectfully i i don't think that any of that makes it like i i i think do you think regular people like when they're thinking about hey i want to get a smart speaker do you think for almost mo- like anybody that the home pod was even an option in their mind no, I wouldn't think so. So then, so I guess the, that's the thing where I would say that the HomePod, like the, the only, uh, let's remove a few words from this. The only people that would have chosen to buy HomePods are like, God, God love him. Mike bought two to use with as TV speakers for some unknown oh, reason. Poor, and then on this week's Mike. episode, that, no, that whole conversation of, Hey, what should I get as speakers for my TV? TV speakers, bud. Not 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 bad smart speakers that don't work most of the time. Uh, I I get it that people really were like, man, these things sound great. You know what else sounds great? If you just spent seven hundred dollars on nice speakers, you'd also get speakers that sound good. The, the the thing actually with the whole HomePod thing with Apple TV that always just killed me is that like let's let's even say that they worked far more reliably than they did. And just I mean, say they worked, you know, basically flawlessly from a reliability standpoint. You couldn't mm-hmm. just use them as your speaker for any other device connected to your TV. So your Xbox or even like your cable box or even just if you're using apps built into the TV, like whatever, anything other than the Apple TV, you can't use the HomePod as a speaker. So like the idea of having a speaker in your home entertainment system that can only output sound from one device that's connected to your TV. Like that, that's nuts. I I don't get that at all. Yep. And again, I'm going to step, I'm going to step back again. I love Mike. Mike, Mike's, Mike's great dude. Well, I'm not uh, picking I, on Mike. I mean, anybody doing that, I just, I don't, I don't get it. But yeah, but yeah, that's the thing where, and, and I don't, because, because your point I think falls down a tiny bit where like the, the, the air, the AirPod, what's it called? HomePod. Big boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, homeboy. Or home. <laughs> I'm tired. Um, HomePod, like the regular one. Like, I, get, I take your point where, yes, it can only, it's only an AirPlay speaker or a Apple Music via uh, Siri voice command. And then when you ask for Taylor Swift, you're going to get Loretta Lynn or something like that because, you know, it's, it's Siri. But like, I don't put that much, that, much hate against it because like the sonos uh the sonos ones those don't have any type of there's no analog in on that right no Mm-mm. like i think like it, I, I take your point where if you were to compare that to um what's it called the sonos 5 i do think that has a traditional 3.5 in jack if you had to but like so that i wouldn't really push it that much but the thing where there's a lot of people who really 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 wanted to like not like 
there's always the Apple defenders who want to say, oh, this is it's not for everybody, but it's great for this. And they would always come back to, well, it sounds amazing. And if you like Apple Music, that's good enough. But not really. One, it didn't actually sound that good. Like I, I got one. It was, it was, I was all ready to buy multiple of them if it happened to be the right choice. It wasn't. It sounded fine, but it was, it just wasn't that good. Um, and then, like the if you're then like bought in for seven hundred dollars of speakers because that's the ideal listening situation, like it just never made sense when you then compare it to because you're no longer saying the HomePod is an expensive smart speaker, you're now comparing it to like some of the highest end sound bars and thing like that, all of which support Bluetooth and AirPlay. So like I mean if you're kind of getting into that much money and also like the HomePod was not a small device. Like it was the size of a of a trash can Mac Pro, so I mean, like, I never really understood that point. And I guess there are some people who just really, really wanted to give it a chance. Like, I, I don't know, but anyway, okay. So the HomePod's dead. I forget how we got started on this. I I was I was transitioning from HomeKit somehow from well the, the Apple TV and and making the point that it it seems like something is going to change there, just given all of the other change. That's oh, happening. Yeah. Okay, Apple. Yeah, so I, I don't, I don't buy that either, because I guess like some companies do Friday night, Friday afternoon news dumps. Like that's that's uh, a tried and true strategy of business and politics. But like the iMac Pro, everybody knew it was dead. It was a product that existed to back when they thought they wouldn't have to make an actual Mac Pro, and also when maybe they weren't as optimistic about, or not that they were pessimistic, but that they 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 didn't know that the Apple Silicon transition was going to go as well as it seems to be going. So the iMac Pro, meh. Uh, the HomePod also, like, they honestly couldn't be selling a lot of them. Like, they're either selling it to Apple, like, super Apple loyalists, or people who just don't have sense about money. Like, I mean, like, who just aren't comparing anything that's not just the priciest thing at the Apple store. Like, how, like, I know they'll never release sales numbers, but, like, this thing could not have sold a lot of them. Like I know the iPod Hi-Fi, again, the patron saint of this podcast, like I know they probably didn't sell many of those either, but like relative to, I just should put it this way, relative to the size of the company at the time, I think both of them sold probably on a decimal point of a single percentage of company revenue, I think probably sold about the same percentage. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's the HomePod. And also now we have a HomePod mini, which is a mini thing of a thing that doesn't exist anymore, which is very fun. Well, I mean, (laughs) Apple's naming conventions have not made sense for a long time. So, I mean, that's just yet another example of that. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the best example that is. I don't know. Um, Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think those are Apple cutting with the past. I think it's just Apple, like, maybe identifying that there's just some stuff that they don't need anymore. And like, if you're not going to make a new home that is, Oh, and sorry, going back to the Apple TV. Okay. So that wraps that up. Going back to the Apple TV. I don't think that's going away. Like I don't, even though Apple doesn't actually have like a strategy around smart home stuff or the living room really. And now that the home pods not there anymore, they, they definitely don't like uh, the Apple TV should still be, be there like they want something that people can hook onto a tv that has all of your apple services 
Like, I don't think they're going to give up on Apple Arcade yet. And I don't know. I just, I just think it kind of has to exist. Like, w- you really envision a world where they don't have any type of box and you just have to hope that you have a TV that has the Apple TV app and uh, supports AirPlay too, I guess. I, I do because of how widely available that stuff is. Like, if, if Apple was being selective with the TV manufacturers or specific models where they were making the TV app and AirPlay 2 available, then then sure. But like, I would like challenge you to find a new TV today that doesn't have those features. But like, but I would counter by saying how often do people upgrade their TV? Like, I think that's why the Fire TV stick and all that stuff is so popular is because it allows you to add features either to an old smart TV that has long since stopped getting updates from the manufacturer and is basically useless for that component of it, or people who like their TV. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I it would not it would not shock me to see the Apple TV box go away. Hmm. I I, I could I I'm not I'm not predicting that, but I'm just I'm just saying it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, yeah, I, I can, I can see it both ways, sort of, but it, it seems, seems like a tough sell. Because I just don't, like, I don't, I don't know where Apple goes because they're not, they're not going to do the fifty dollar stick thing. That's, that's just not what Apple's ever going to do. But they may do the hundred dollar box thing. And I mean, do, I mean, let me, let me, let me maybe, let, but, but let me like, ask a different what, question. Do, do you, do you, did you ever think that they would make a HomePod Mini for a hundred dollars? Well, I, I think I assumed they would make a cheaper HomePod almost from the moment that came out. Maybe I, maybe I wouldn't guess as low as $100, no, but... I feel like that was shocking. It's still but too I, but much I money. Think by, I say, but by all accounts, the HomePod Mini is is exceedingly mediocre, isn't it? Well, yeah, but that's, that's I mean, it, it's only simple stuff. <laughs> it only seems great because of how bad the regular HomePod was. Well, yeah. But that's where I guess like ninety nine dollars from Apple is like d- in, d- just like a crazy a crazy dim. But I like almost he's... I almost think that's the exception proving the rule though. Like I I don't think that all of a sudden because there's the HomePod Mini that all of a sudden there's going to be a bunch of other surprisingly not expensive Apple products. I think, but I think in, so. I think you're right. So that I don't think that indicates that hey, Macs and iPhones are going to get cheaper. Absolutely not. But I think the other stuff, because the Apple TV and the HomePod are ecosystem plays, it's get, it's getting you locked into the services and making it more fun and slightly more convenient for you to use and enable yourself with the more expensive Apple stuff. So that's where, again, like I think that the $200 Apple TV is a very big missed opportunity because it's really like there's a whole lot of other features that um, you unlock with those types of products when you use them in combination with an iPhone, an iPad, or a Mac. So the ancillary stuff like that that reaffirms somebody's decision to stay in the ecosystem is stuff that I feel like could be way more aggressively priced. And Because Apple's obviously not going to back away from the new idea that the high-end iPhone starts at $1,000 and that Macs, even though they save a whole bunch of money by not using Intel processors and keeping everything in-house, that the... um, 
uh, Apple Silicon Macs are not are not any cheaper. I mean, even if they do come out with a hundred dollar Apple TV box, how is that going to justify its hundred dollar price? Like, what is it going to have that your new TV doesn't have built in, or that the you know thirty five forty dollar Roku stick doesn't have? Privacy and ease of use. I, I, I guess, it, yeah. and, and I don't believe those things. Like, I mean, I do, but I, I like I don't think that's worth it. But I do think that's a sell that you can make. Like right now, if if I'm t- I was talking to somebody through, what what do you buy? Do you buy like a? Because I couldn't convince them to get the LG OLED, but um, like, do you get the the thirty five dollar Amazon stick? Do you get the sixty dollar Chromecast? The seventy dollar Roku? Or do you get the two hundred dollar Apple TV thing? Like. I feel like convincing somebody to spend four to five times as much as they need to is impossible, but getting somebody to con- convince to spend twice that much and it's got an Apple logo on it, I think that's very plausible. Yeah, I I guess, but that's not a very that's not a very compelling story. Still, it's I mean it's it's again it's better only because of how bad the current setup is, but. On its own, a hundred dollar Apple TV, you know, setting aside the two hundred dollar one today, that's that's just not very interesting. Unless they, unless it does a lot more than the current box does, but I, I really, I really have no idea what that would be. I mean, Apple, I don't think is going to get back into like the home networking game. I don't which think, they should, which they should, but I, I don't think they will. I don't think that they're going to try to become like your your smart home hub, like whatever that chop choy thing that they're now a part of. Like I don't I don't think they're going to make the Apple TV like the hub for that. Although I don't know, maybe they maybe they could. Um, yeah, I don't know. The Apple the Apple TV is a is a strange strange product. Yeah, but hope it never goes away. All right. I don't know where that came from, so we'll move on. (laughs) Uh, Layers of an onion. Okay, let's blow through a few things. Again, we still haven't had a slow enough week to do our uh, post-COVID show. I know, Um, yeah. Yeah, one day day we'll we'll do a slow week like a slow street. So, a couple things. So, one, I just wanted this in the notes because, again, we both have a relationship with Santa Barbara. But there was one thing that I never would have thought would adapt to Southern California. Which is, have you, I know you don't go to San Francisco much these days, right? I, I do not, no. So they've instituted a couple of things where uh, they have what are called slow streets. Well, one, they've had car-free Market Street, which was something that was pre-COVID that they had, where basically from the Embarcadero, or wait, no, from uh, Powell Street to 11th Street, basically there are no cars except taxis and um, uh, Muni. And then uh, when the pandemic hit, they also introduced a slow streets program where uh, Page Street, Sanchez Street, there's a whole bunch of, you can check it up on Google Maps and you'll see little blue markers of places where traffic has been limited to the point where basically you can retrieve your car from like your own driveway. And that's basically like there is no through traffic on those. And the whole point is that, hey, in a socially distanced environment, let's give people, let's reclaim the streets for the people that actually live there to actually use that space for their own to recreate to take walks where you, you maintain distance and all that kind of stuff which is really cool but the one place i didn't expect that to ever land is uh santa barbara so apparently uh on state street they have basically closed most of it down to traffic which again if if you remember in santa barbara like 
uh, nobody but tourists drive on State Street anyway. But like, I think that's that's really cool, and that that idea that things would that most city councils and local governments would never have thought to try or been willing to entertain the idea of when like State Street right now. If uh, like I I went to Santa Barbara a year and a half ago, like it's dying. Like there are so many vacancies on that street. So right now when uh, shelter in place restrictions and capacity limitations, all this kind of stuff is, is uh, hurting is the wrong word, but, but it's, it's been very detrimental for business over the past year on top of all the other economic factors. The fact that the city government is willing to give that a shot and experiment on this is really, really cool. So there's a link that will be in the show notes that people can take a look at what this looks like. And I don't know. It's super neat. Yeah, th- this type of thing I think is is fantastic. It's um, it's one of the things that I've loved when traveling to to Europe, um, particularly in France and in Italy, where at least the the places where I was, you basically always ate outside. Like that was just sort of like standard. Like you, I mean, you could eat inside most places, but like the default was eating outside. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. Like I, I, that's, I think that's just a, that's just a really neat thing, neat thing to do. And it, it's, it's really cool to see cities here, which I think you're totally right, would have really never entertained the idea of, you know, pre COVID, but are sort of um, by necessity embracing it now. And I, I, I hope a lot of that stuff sticks is, is this is this state street thing meant to be like a permanent thing or is it just temporary do you know i don't think it's uh, i don't i think it's one of those things where they're going to review it yeah. where they might because like they used to have this back when we were in the area where they would shut down a few blocks of it for a farmer's market every once in a while but i think this might actually be uh, something that they make semi-permanent i was gonna say local. or like yeah i think like you know to to make it hyper local for a second because i know you like when we do that mm-hmm. like even like downtown san rafael during oh, covid dining under the lights exactly which i think is like a actually is it a friday and saturday night or is it like thursday and friday What whatever the nights are important it's a co- couple nights a week where they close down a bunch of streets and let restaurants set up and so you know even like in santa barbara if, if people really were opposed to this being a permanent change like i mean why not why not make this a you know every friday saturday sunday thing or something like that yeah like i i, I personally am a very very like i i i like cars but i hate cars like I, I this is one of those urban planning things where I've always like just not understood where California's car culture could never actually progress beyond that in more liberal cities where anytime anybody wants to build more transit or make stronger bike lanes or do any of that kind of stuff like nobody ever really champions the idea that streets are for people not cars and that the American fixation on the personal automobile is making cities and living there worse so I do like, and again, this is something that when we have a slow week, we'll talk more about what things look like, or we hope we either will probably look like, or we hope will look like once this is all over. And yeah, I don't know, like this, a, a lot of the stuff has been pushed forward multiple years or stuff that maybe would have never, would have been completely inconceivable. Yeah, totally. Um, um but that transitions smoothly into, um, oh, I feel like we had this in here. Oh yeah. So, um, there's been the proliferation. Are you familiar with what a parklet? What What do you think a parklet is? 
it's these temporary dining setups that that you see. I mean, I'm sure it's not just San Francisco, but San Francisco is the the kind of example that I've seen in person where it's not um, like you're not setting up just a couple folding chairs, you know, with a with a card table outside. You're setting up this sort of like um, semi permanent type structure, usually like where there used to be parking spaces on the street. So this this wasn't a trick question, but you're that answer is wrong but let's, let me explain there because there's a weird difference so yeah san francisco was one of the first cities to have uh to introduce parklets where yeah you take you take some on-street paid parking that the city used to get revenue from and you turn that into a uh a space for people but it's not owned exclusively by the business it's kind of just like a, a mini park in a parking space but when all this stuff happened and previously you would have seen those pre-COVID frequently in front of restaurants where it's encouraged that, hey, if you buy a coffee at this place, you go to the parklet outside. But if somebody was just walking their dog, wanted to have a seat and have a chat, like it's you, the business owner can't be, hey, go away. This is for paying customers. It's technically city property and the business or the neighborhood can help pay for its construction and maintenance, but you, it's not owned by the business or reserved for the business. When COVID came around, that is where what you're describing came through, where they took, I think, was it about 2,000 metered parking spaces in general? What's What was the thing in here? It was it was a lot, yeah. Yeah. So they made those uh, what I think the city provision was called the shared spaces program, where they were all temporary authorization parklets, but they didn't have to meet that specific criteria where the business can say, or like where you can, where it's not for everybody where this could be kind of an extension of the dining room where if it happens to be outside Blue Barn, it's for Blue Barn customers only. So that's the only thing that's kind of interesting here where that very rapid development, which kind of spread around the entire country, like you would, you'd see people on Twitter show pictures of parklets in cities with uh, more weather than we have, where in New York, um, oh, <laughs> there, were all these, there were always memes about what is outdoor dining? Because people would basically just like build like crappy wooden apartments oh, outside. We, we have we have some of that here too, but we don't we don't need to go down that road. Yeah, but it's if it's a thing where it has to like I forget what the criteria of outdoor dining is. It has to be like no, like it can have a roof covering, but it has to be mostly open air, and there can only be two sides or something. But like if you take a look at the pictures of New York, it's it's basically like somebody like like your ideal uh, your ideal like platonic ideal of a shed somehow got built in front of like house of prime rib <laughs> and somebody could basically like post up there. Like it could be like a Stephen Hackett, like Mac museum basically. Cause it's so well weather sealed. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so anyway, so like, yeah, so the shared space program was meant to be temporary just as a way to help restaurants comply with the restrictions on indoor dining, but not deal that big of a blow to the, the food industry, which I mean, which is a good idea, but, um, was this so somebody so the mayor of san francisco wants to make that permanent which is good but i would so this is this is the tricky part where in my whole thing of like suggesting that like hey streets are for people the fact that we are now i'm I'm not worried about the losing parking spaces like uh, on street parking who cares we should we should make it harder for people to drive and harder for people to park places so that they don't drive there and therefore they use transit but taking all this space and basically making it for private business only is tricky and that's where a lot of 
urbanists and um, fussy progressives are going to do the good work of trying to force them to make this where they can say, hey, these parkless and shared spaces are restricted to only be used for customers during business hours. And then after that, they can be just for anybody. Because like a business doesn't really basically get to get like to double their square footage for like no rent. That just seems weird. No, that's that is a that's a really, really fair point. Um I mean, I assume the other shoe to drop here would assuming that these become a permanent thing would be that they're not just gonna be essentially free like they are now. Mm-hmm. Like there's gonna be a change in the the economic model where I mean, I don't know if it's literally like some kind of rent that's paid or something like that. That's that would, that would get changed presumably. Yeah. And people have complained about um, like, Oh, Hey, the, well, one, everybody complains about like, if, Oh, if a city loses parking, God help us. Like everybody loses their fucking mind. But the, the like, Oh yeah. What is the revenue shortfall for the city not being able to meter parking? Well then, Hey, you just move the parking meters to the next closest block that was bordering a residential area and hey problem solved but yeah i mean your point of hey what do restaurant owners that want this to be there what do they have to pay because basically i'm like i mean again yeah you are basically getting more square footage and there's got to be some happy medium where basically the restaurant either has to pay for construction or um what would you call it what's what's the term for like making something stronger like retrofitting, I don't know, because like some of these, as if you've if you've been like driven around San Francisco, like there's a wide there's a wide variety <laughs> of how of how rickety yeah. and crappy some of these are, and how nice some of them are. Mm-hmm. But some of the are, some of them are very very like um, high school wood shop stuff. Right, <laughs> it's not it's not great. But yeah, I mean, so I, I feel like there's got to be something struck there where everybody like you're helping business, you're helping people dine outside, and I I don't know if it, this is in New York or San Francisco, but there's all these weird outdoor liquor laws where you can't like take a drink out on the sidewalk or something like stuff like that. That is some things that'll be nice when that actually changes where like, under this, like, again, this goes back to your thing about your um, European memories of, Hey, you're like dining all fresco, like have, have a nice time in nice California summers. Be, be cool. Don't, don't be weird. And just like, enjoy where you live, but share the space with everybody. I don't know. The, the the only tough thing with San Francisco in particular, though, is like how many nights a year do you think there are like weather wise where you would really prefer to dine outside? Because mm-hmm. the, like the difference with, you know, like what I was talking about with like France and Italy is, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't there in, in the winter in either case, but um, I think a majority of the year you can comfortably, you know, sit outside and eat where in San Francisco that that especially during the summer is very much not the case. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I like I don't know, but also are you uh, Mr. Heat Lamp? You I'm sure you can help hook them up with a solution for that issue. <laughs> those those can only get you so far. Uh, and you know, I mean, I think part of that is is solved when you know, in in a in a post-COVID world where we don't necessarily have to worry quite as much about having a certain number of sides of the space open or or whatever. Like you could theoretically enclose some of these parklets a bit better. And so I don't know, maybe then you, you um, make them easier to keep warm or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, I'm 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 for this. I I I I you bring up a lot of fair points that I that need to be considered and and thought through, but the idea of just turning all of these back into parking spaces, like no way. Like I, I do, I do like this idea of, of restaurants being able to, to be more outside. And I yeah. think it's a better use of the space. Yeah. I mean, the genie is out of the bottle for a lot of these ideas. Um, and that's kind of like a wet signature thing. That's a very annoying term. Um, but like, yeah, of ideas like where like you, when you show people that, Hey, when there's actual pressure to make things happen and things are actually work out pretty well, um, there's probably be countless examples of that. It's the same thing where, and we'll we'll unpack it in a future episode. We're, we're going. Well, and I think one. Well, I think actually, like, just to stick with the the dining thing, like, like eating inside feels like one of those things that like is going to take a while to like come back. I mean, like most of what I continue to read, even from experts who are like pretty gung ho about, hey, these vaccines are great. Like, people really should be able to enjoy, you know, a fair bit more freedom once once they're fully vaccinated. Like the consensus I've seen is like, hey, even if you're fully vaccinated, like don't 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 go dine inside somewhere. Like that's just not not a good idea. So, it like I think a lot of what's going to stick versus a lot of what's going to kind of go back to the way it was is going to be dependent on how long the 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 new normal, which uh, another phrase I don't particularly care for. Um, has to stick around. And I think outdoor dining might be one of those things that is going to stick around longer than, um, or I guess maybe a different way of phrasing this is that indoor dining is going to take a little bit longer to come back or maybe even a fair bit longer to come back than, than a lot of other things. Well, the plus side about that is one, you can throw a link in the show notes for the episode of today's, uh, the journal podcast where, uh, Tony was on, <clears throat> And uh, express some optimism about um, kind of uh, reaffirming Biden's um, cautious uh, recommendation that um, small to medium gatherings by July 4th with the trend in vaccinations is possible. Outside. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. Who's who's doing a barbecue on the 4th of July indoors? Well, I mean, sure, you're cooking outside, but I don't know. You could be in the house. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's promising and that's good. Um, but also, I mean, with the timing again, like the, this is summer. So as things hopefully get better, then yeah, you've got, you've got a decent chunk of time for outdoor dining and hopefully things get, uh, more solid by the fall. Well, the, 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 to, to also bring it even more hyper local, I would love to check that Pico parklet out. I think that looks really nice. So yeah, I drive it, by it, it a bunch. It's meh. Oh. That that restaurant is is it, I mean hey I'm not going to speak ill of Pico it's it's one of my favorite restaurants it's fantastic I can't wait to go back and that indoor space is a little cramped so I wouldn't be opposed to sitting outside there it depends like you, you if you if you get like the Pope seat like it's really good I guess one time you and I went there we kind of sat by the bar like kind of on the opposite side of where the main dining space is and we actually had a, a fair bit of space there yeah. Um, all right. Uh, if we, we should just t- turn the entire city of Larkspur into a parklet for Pico. Finally. <laughs> I'm, hey, where do I sign up? Oh, do you want to talk about the things COVID has destroyed? I, one of the smallest joys in life would be to just roam around a home goods for an hour and a half 
because I've actually 52. I've been on this beat for a, a little bit now. Like when I just talk with friends and family and kind of like reminisce about just little small things that we miss. Mm-hmm. I bring this up a lot, like the just sort of casually browsing through a Costco or a home goods or a target or Trader Joe's, like whatever. Like I, I miss just being able to casually shop and not have shopping be this thing where you make your list ahead of time. You map out the absolute shortest amount of distance and time that you need to be inside that building. And then you get out. Yeah. And then, but specifically with home goods, that was always like the thrill of the hunt. Like I, I've never been like, I don't, like a um a Marshalls or a what's the other one? JC TJ T, no a TJ Maxx, which mm-hmm. I think is owned by the same company as Home Goods. Where it's kind of like no no store has the same stuff. It's all like overstock and clearance stuff, and it's the, it's the thrill of the hunt. Um, so yeah, home that's that's one of the things. Yeah, just just meandering is is something that is uh, of a bank on era. Um, and then this lastly to round this out, uh, this will be a you thing. Uh, Disneyland is opening up to California residents only on april 30th mm, yeah no 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 uh what's the term bridge and tunnelers carpet baggers yeah so okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna give the the sappy take here and then we can get into maybe the more um cynical take mm-hmm. like I, i've i've been talking about this since the early days of the pandemic too where um I don't know, just one of those like little random things, like just the idea that like Disneyland is closed, just like whenever I think about that, it just bums me out. Like and it and not not in like a way where I lose sight of the fact that like there are way, way sadder things happening in the world than have been over the last year. But it's just like one of those like personal little things that like I think about and I'm like, yeah, man, that that's just a bummer. So, you know, seeing seeing Disneyland come back like really does feel like one of those steps with things gradually getting better and becoming more normal. Cause I mean, I don't know, maybe this is a whole different like topic for a different day or whatever, but like it does kind of feel like we're, we're like passing this point now with like reopenings where it's like, there's probably no going back now. Like we're not going to just shut everything back down again. So, um, I don't know. I, I view that as sort of like, you know, I mean, assuming that things actually do continue to improve, like is a really like positive sign. Um, but I know with that all being said, like it does, it feels, does feel kind of premature for, for theme parks to, to be coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't love it. I mean, but I, because you're relying I understand that that seems like a, a kind of a symbolic point about um, reopening, but you're relying on the responsibility of your fellow Californian. It just it feels it feels too early. A, lo- a mm-hmm. lot of what's happening, and and you know, I'm I'm even I'm putting aside like the the total like jackassery of of the Texases and and Floridas of the country, and even even just like here in California, like it just it just feels like everything's happening a a little too quickly and you know that little bit too quickly could could end up making a big difference you know with how 
Like it, it just feels like we're s- celebrating a little too soon. Like it, it felt the same way. Remember like last spring, like when things kind of opened back up and it was like when we were done flattening the curve. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was like this weird vibe and some like advertising and stuff you'd see about like almost, you know, phrasing it as if like the pandemic were over. And mm-hmm. I, it, it kind of feels like with some of this stuff that's happening again. And I mean, listen, there's, there's a better chance now than, than there was last spring that maybe that's true, but it's not a certainty by any means. Well, we're, we're living in times that are precedented now. And that's, that's a big improvement. Um, but yeah, May 1st can't come soon enough. And I think that's going to be much more of a inflection point or a, um, give clarity on the situation because this well, current this current one is uh, still extremely frustrating and annoying and that's you know that's another thing with disneyland and again if you want to be cynical about it which and it, this is probably the the true version of it like they they probably needed until april 30th like just literally Ooh. from like an operations standpoint I to I didn't put those days together um oh. but they they could they could technically open april 1st because orange county's in the right tier now like they they technically have the okay from the state to open April first, but they're not opening until about a month later. Again, it's it, they're probably not doing this out of like <laughs> the goodness of their hearts or the betterment of the world. It probably is just literally like they need those extra four weeks to retrain staff and Jesus, I mean, even you know get food brought back in. And I mean, I can't even imagine what reopening that park look you know looks like and what all that entails but um i don't know it, it they're not um it seems like a more well thought out date than i don't know if you remember this but they they had announced their plans to reopen last july and this was like well they they, they announced in june that the, hey they were going to reopen in july but then like right shortly after that you know numbers started ticking up and they that got scrapped and like the date that they chose corresponded with, I think it was like the 65th anniversary of Disneyland. And it's like, oh yeah, okay. I'm yeah. making public health decisions that happen to line up with your anniversary. Like, yeah, that, that really makes a lot of sense. So well, I mean, they're a corporation. <laughs> so I, I at least want to believe that maybe there's, there was some more thought put into this date. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to regress or I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, hopefully undo your your optimism I, I think it goes back to more of your functional point of like to reboot an operation like that it all, like it's gonna take a month i mean it probably <laughs> yeah pr- probably uh like a company that has um something called the pixar pier next to a gigantic uh whatever this is death fighter tie fighter like i don't know that's um yeah i, I don't i don't i think they think with dollars first well, I mean, like I said, I, I I hope that this truly is like another step towards things getting better. And I it, hope this doesn't end up being something that we, as a society, look back on and be like, yeah, we kind of jumped the gun. Yeah. And why is Mickey not wearing a mask? Um, okay. And then one other thing you can throw in the show notes, uh, on marketplace, uh, one of the hosts favorite things to bring up to kind of, to see how consumers and and travelers are feeling about things. Um, TSA screenings and airport throughput is really, really, really creeping back up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They they had, they had like the highest 
throughput of of any day mm-hmm. including like of the holidays yeah. um since March of last year right uh yeah so last sunday 1.34 million people screened through the tsa which is only 900,000 less than 20 uh the same day in 2019 yeah everything's great uh, all right i'm going to recommend we kick the ev uh battery down the road <laughs> um we oh we well, actually hold on we, we made some headway because we already did some of this so i already talked about the home pad home pod um can we yeah we got a minute 13 do you have anything that's urgent or can i bring up two things uh you you may have the floor okay um did you so i want to talk about comcast and this uh nest hub thing did you look at the nest hub i did not no so recommend opening the link because you in the recent weeks have said you have been trying rudimentary sleep tracking right or well, was that uh, yeah else because that's to? that's all that the apple watch is currently capable of wait what oh very it's, uh, very rudimentary. rudimentary sleep tracking okay i meant your intentions but yeah that, that's that's pretty good what is even going on so do you have this nine to five google what is nine to five google <laughs> oh i did i didn't notice that <laughs> i'm like why does this nine to five max <laughs> web page look weird um this Google product uh, shot, what even is going on in this bedroom? But anyway, um, I don't know why they have, they have some like oysters with twine next what's, to them. What's that light connected to? Probably nothing. I don't know. It's, it's probably... <laughs> it. It's just floating. Yeah, trot free. Who knows? Okay. So there's a... Uh, what was it called? So there was the Google Home Hub, which was their uh, Echo Show competitor that they introduced two and a half years ago and i actually bought one and it was fine but i just i live in the amazon ecosystem so it just didn't really make sense so there's a new one and also in the middle of this when they so from when they introduced the google home hub to now google started thinking hey we have a lot of ip built into the nest brand so now we're going to call our company google nest so now it's the google nest hub which is a very not good name but there is this new one the generation two which is mostly the same size, but there's one really interesting feature that I want to know what you think about. So apparently there's a company, I don't know if it's a feature or a company, but it's called Soli or Soli, where it's a, um, is it a radar? What is it? I don't know, it's, it's not a camera, but it's something that senses the room. That, that allows it to detect how you sleep, both through, there's a really thing, so only high-level sleep occurrences events such as cough, snore minutes are sent to Google. Snore minutes, okay. Um, <laughs> um, eh, I forget what it was, but anyway, like, but it, 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 it does a, a slightly less privacy-invasive way of, and again, that's, that's with a big, big caveat because it's Google, but it seems like a really interesting approach to sleep tracking because for me i don't think i would ever do sleep tracking because i'm not going to go through the trouble of having to be super strategic about when i charge my apple watch i don't really want to sleep with an apple watch on i feel like there are some other things like didn't apple buy a company where there was a thing that you like either put under your pillow or under your mattress is that a thing maybe that it right yeah was it, but is that how it worked where it was like a thing that you put on your bed yeah exactly yeah like i don't think i would use either of those technologies 
for this, if there was barring the fact that most people who are trying to give you advice on how to improve your sleep, say no screens in the bedroom, which this is a screen in the bedroom. It's kind of a big one. Um, this seems interesting. And the thing I would actually maybe use, I don't know. This, this is very, very, very compelling and interesting. I don't know because it's super automatic. And the fact that it can use that radar sensor to detect movement, both like, like you actually getting up from bed or you just tossing and turning and also snoring and stuff to automatically evaluate all that stuff so that you don't have to tell your watch like, Hey, I'm going to bed now. But in reality, you're lying awake in bed for 26 minutes or whatever. Like, Oh, that, that seems super cool, but it's Google. So I probably wouldn't try it. I bet this doesn't work very well. Uh, probably, but cause I mean the, the thing that stands out to me is that this, I mean, this only costs a hundred dollars, which, but the old one only costs a hundred dollars. Like I, like, I think it's kind of like the echoes where Google and Amazon are not hoping that this is a high margin product It's mostly just want to get them into homes because it sticks people in that ecosystem. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I bet this doesn't work all that well. And you, you literally have to point the screen towards your bed in order for this to work. And like, I know that it's not going, like the screen's not going to be on when, you know, you're sleeping, but yeah, I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't seem like a great setup. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have a camera in it. No, I I, I get that. But I mean, it's sort of like how, you know, the, the face ID cameras like aren't actual like camera cameras there. It's all like, I don't know, infrared or, or whatever. Don't, don't, don't at me, but it's not like. It's not like a selfie camera or something. Well, it's right next to the selfie camera. But it's anyway. right next to the selfie camera, but but it's a separate thing. Yeah. Anyway, I will be super interested to see if this actually works. Because in that case, because I mean, like I I have a, what's it called? What's the circular echo called? Uh, the echo spot. And yeah, I mean, that one, that one's facing my bed. I have a little sticker on it because I don't trust Amazon to not turn on the camera. <laughs> but if it was made by a privacy loving company like, a company like Apple that would charge me too much for it, then maybe we're talking. I know the other thing that's sort of limiting about this, and, and I mean, this is super not relevant at the moment, but, um, you know, when you're traveling, like when you're not sleeping at home, you know, with something like this, you would lose the ability to then track that sleep when you're away from home. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, if you're someone like me, who's a little OCD about this stuff and like, you know, would want to know your sleep every night, regardless of whether you were at home, you, you couldn't use something like this unless, <laughs> I guess, unless you brought it with you. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's that important to you, maybe, I mean, it's not that big, but I guess. And then also in this article, there's also a thread radio. I don't know what that is, but apparently that is what chip is. That yeah. makes possible project mm-hmm. connected home over IP, uh, support, make it a better smart home hub. Though its capability is not live at launch. Okay, never mind. Yeah, apparently, like thread radios are a thing, but yeah, they're I don't they're know what not. It's it's some. Is it a different know, radio band? Yeah, I guess so. It's like um, uh, what's the Zigbee thing? I think it's thread similar. is a low power mesh networking technology for IoT products intended to be secure and future proof. Okay, famous last words. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Um, wait, hold on. In July 2014, the Thread Group Alliance was formed. Uh, initial members were Arm Holdings, Big Ass Solutions, 
and NXP semiconductors. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's vandalism on Google or if that's an actual company. <laughs> All right. And then lastly, when was the last time you negotiated your Comcast deal? Because you're getting a better deal than me and I'm getting screwed. It's been, well, I mean, you saw in that screenshot that I sent you, it's my, my discounts expiring um, next month, I think. So it, so it must have been, okay. it must have been a, I think it was just a year commitment I had. So it must have been like a year ago. So I, I got to figure this out because I got, have you ever looked at your usage meter? Like how much data are you using? I mean, you're two people and you're, you, I assume you use the internet a lot. Yeah, we do, but we're, I, I, I don't think we're anywhere near our cap. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, so I got roped into having to pay the $30 a month because I was going over my data. So now my bill is $185 a month after taxes. And here's one of the BS things about Comcast, which they don't advertise and I'm sure all communications companies do this, but you now have to pay on top of whatever your cable package is, a $17 a month broadcast TV fee. So now I feel even less bad about finding the Grammys on the internet. And then a $10 a month regional sports fee. So there's $27 a month for content that I'm not really watching that is outside of my, um, outside of my plan. And I pay... Uh, like, I guess $125 for like the core thing. Like your package somehow includes blast and I'm getting charged $25 for that. And I'm getting negative $5 or something. Like, I don't know. I have to figure out a way to renegotiate this because like, even though I think like we've both and me specifically, like I've been kind of always like one of those people who doesn't complain about, Hey, court cutting doesn't save money. And also I think I get a fair shake with Comcast. The fact that my bill for TV, I don't watch and internet service that mostly works is now $185 a month. I feel like I'm one of those cord cutter complainers now that's too much so i don't i mean i i partially disagree with what you're saying just in the sense that like i feel like day in and day out i mean especially being at home all the time but even you know pre-covid when we were more out and about my cable services the you know i mean i guess outside of like electricity and water is like the single most used service that I have in my home. Like I'm, when I'm at home, I'm almost constantly using either the internet or watching TV. So to me, it sort of makes sense to pay a lot for that. And especially considering, and I know this is, this is an unpopular take and maybe it's just specific to my area, but like I mean, Comcast is good here. Our internet service is fast. It's really, really reliable. You know, the, I mean, I've, I've, I have a TiVo, so I guess I don't really interact with like how their TV service is all that much, like in terms of like what the X1 box or anything is like. But um, I don't really have many complaints about Comcast. Um well- so, I mean, I, I would agree. I mean, like, it's not a reliability about the service, but also in to compare our services, your you your HBO Max is rolled into this. Mine's not. So that's the other thing. Where my my service is ten dollars more than yours. You have like an extra sports package, and your HBO Max is included in this, and you pay less. Like it's just like my my whole point was like I always felt like one hundred and thirty, one hundred forty dollars a month was a fair price for good internet and TV. I sometimes watch. $185, like that's just, there, there are like these mental thresholds where that's way too close to $200 to make me feel like I'm getting, getting screwed. 
but the, I mean, I guess then, so even if I then ag- agree with you that that price is high and, and you're not totally wrong. So it's so if, if I gra- a month for internet. So, yeah. So, so if I grant you that, like, I mean, what, what's your, what's your alternative? Like, what are you going to do? I'm going to cancel the TV. Like there's okay, gotta so be. So then t- your internet service goes up in price and then you're left paying for all these different streaming services. And I, so you're going to end up with a slightly less good TV setup for basically the equivalent amount of money. Yeah. I'm going to disagree and I'm not in the mood to argue about this, but I'm very surprised you don't, you don't agree with me. I mean, I, like I, I, $885 a month for a connection to the internet. Like I'm saying, like I, 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 I get it, but I'm just, I'm pushing back on you having a clear alternative to this. Cause I, like, I mean, price it out. Like what, what is that equivalent internet service going to cost you if you try to just buy it from Comcast? I mean, I bet they jack the price on that way up if you don't have TV and then well, you're going to we'll be see. stuck paying for probably a, at least a couple more streaming services to get all the like what? TV content you want. Like what? Um, like I already pay for HBO Max. I pay for Netflix. I play for all the Disney crap and everything else. And I sometimes watch cable news and I don't really care about the giants anymore. Well, like, I, mean, I mean, so that that's, I guess, I mean, I guess that's the thing. If you really are going to totally get away from cable news, which you should and live sports, which you shouldn't, then I guess this becomes a little more feasible. But, but if, if you, it's still ridiculous. I, <laughs> It's too much money. Like I, I get all your points, and and like and that that there's not really an alternative, but that's also man. Now I feel like I'm I'm going back on everything I've ever said, which is that this is monopolistic, like regional monopoly pricing, which is insane. Because, I mean, how do other people afford this? Well, I that's I mean that's a whole. That's I mean, a whole separate topic, right? Like the the affordability part is like I mean this that the the price isn't that much like it's not making or breaking or anything, but like that's for most people's budget, two hundred dollars for just reliable internet connectivity is bananas. Oh, I, I will because my promo expires on April Fool's Day. Um, I will be having a very uh, long, angry conversation with Comcast, and we will see how that works with Cable Town. Um, remember the time that uh, Veronica Belmont tried to call the cancel of Comcast? Maybe I'll record it. We'll see. I don't remember that. Oh, man. I, okay, I will look it up for next week, because remember she was getting bullied by some some jerk on the phone of like trying to mansplain to her why she didn't need to cancel her cable when she was moving? And it went viral on the internet like 10 years ago. Oh, I got to look this up. You're, okay. you're asking a lot of me to remember something from 10 years ago. It, okay. It was, it was a very viral moment, but back when everything was just a sea of viral moments in dread. All right. Anything else or chef specials? Yeah, I think that's it. All right. What do we got? So I'm, I'm doubling down on the Sonos move. I've been, hmm. I, sent, I sent you some pictures of this from over the weekend. I remember a picture um, of a dog. I don't remember anything else. <laughs> um, I, I know we're saying this like over and over again on the, on this episode, but you know, not really going anywhere these days. And so trying to find those little joys at home where you can, 
And for me, one of those things has been sitting out in the backyard, um, you know, usually watching like a Sharks game or something. And just, you know, just have a little bit of a, a change in scenery and not being, you know, right inside the house. And, we, you know, we, with our, we've got a TV in the living room and that's on like this pull out swivel TV mount thing. So you can kind of, you know, face it out towards the backyard. And I had done that like a couple times over the summer, but, you know, the problem was, you know, didn't have any sound out there. And now with the Sonos Move, I don't really think this is necessarily like <laughs> an advertised feature of of Sonos, but, and I've, I've mentioned this on the show before, like, because I have the beam connected to that TV, you can then reroute the TV audio from the beam to any other Sonos speaker that you have. And you can set it up so that the sound comes out of, you know, both the beam and the move, or you can have the sound just come out of one or the other. Um, and so, yeah, that's ended up, you know, leading to a, a nice little outdoor setup that, you know, I've been going to from, from time to time. Um, so yeah, the move is just, a, it's a, it's a versatile speaker in a way that obviously like the other Sonos stuff isn't. So I like it and I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, being able to, you know, take it on, little weekend trips and stuff like that too, you know, once, once those become a thing. Nice. Yeah. That seems to cement it as kind of our perennial recommendation of a around the house speaker. Yeah. Um, I don't really have one this week. I will just, I, maybe I'll give a life hacker a pro tip. Um, are you familiar with, um, Gmail filters? Uh, yeah, I, I have a handful. So I'm going to recommend that people, and on Gmail, I never remember which button gets you to the settings in Gmail. I never remember where anything in Gmail is. <laughs> anyway, I can't find out where it is. Oh, see all settings. Okay. Um, so if you go to filters, I have one where, or two, where if you change, uh, so I have, actually, let me, I'll send you a screenshot. Uh, one thing that makes shopping on Amazon uh, less guilt-inducing and... Um, easier so it doesn't clog up your inbox is to use two specific gmail filters which are so basically you take any email that comes from auto-confirm at amazon.com and you can basically skip it uh skip the inbox mark it as read and automatically move it to your receipts folder so that way you never get a shipping notification or a purchase receipt from amazon ever hmm so I find nice. that very, very useful just because I don't ever need tracking information from Amazon because I just it just always shows up. And I don't really need that kind of stuff. So that that makes uh life a lot easier. But that is one of let me see, does Gmail tell me how many I have? Uh that is one of twenty-eight email filters I have. Wow. Yeah, uh trying trying to be like a Gmail pro user is a futile um <laughs> uh task, but it's also kind of rewarding. Especially if you want to maintain subscriptions to like you know like I I want to know when there's a sale at Banana Republic, but I don't ever want to know about it until I want to know. Mm-hmm. So for that, I have a promotions folder and I just go and look there to see if there's any sales going on, but I never see it unless I'm actually looking for it. So, pro tip. 